Hey everybody, it's Audrey Ellis and you're listening to Ask Audrey. I feel like uh, like a rapper sometimes because before I do an episode, I can't just do anything. I can't just get on the mic. <laughs> I sound like a musician or a rapper. I can't just get on the mic, son. I'm swearing. No, I can't just get on the mic and just talk about anything because if I don't feel it, I ain't faking no no, okay? I cannot... Just pick a topic, and I've done it before, you know, because I was like so dead set, like anal about making sure I got the episodes done, you know, for 30 days straight to make sure the habit was formed. So I did episodes about things, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And just get prepared. I'm getting ready to, I don't know if you remember, but in January, when I first started, I said my one of my goals, my first goal was to get 30 days done, like straight without breaking, so I can form the habit. But then within that time, my next goal was to loosen up. I was like, I feel like I'm not being myself. And part of myself is I curse. That's fine. Like, who the fuck cares? Anyway, so I want to like loosen up a little bit. And oh my God, I lost my train of thought. What the hell? What the hell? Okay. Ooh, go go back. Let's rewind it in my brain. I was like, one of my goals. Hold on, help me out, y'all. One of my goals was to loosen up. But oh yeah, there we go. I found it. I said <laughs> that I wanted to, oh, hell, I lost it again. What am I doing? You know, let me turn this TV off. You can't be distracted when you're trying to do stuff that's important, importante. Okay, so I said one of my goals was to loosen up in January. Come on, y'all. What is going on today? I'm keeping this because, you know, ain't no such thing as, per- uh, as perfect. So I said I can't do it. There you go. I can't do it if I don't feel it. Like If I don't feel the episode, if I don't feel, you know, what I'm talking about, like, just moving forward, I don't want to just do any old thing. So I kind of, like, will, when I get off work or before I go to work, I will sit and, like, stare at the wall or I will lay down and just think about it just to make sure I come up with an episode that means something to me. And so what I'm getting ready to talk about is still related to anxiety because, you know, anxiety is my friend. I have welcomed that bitch into my life. <laughs> that was a little harsh. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't think I call anybody bitches. Yes, I do. Anyway, I have welcomed her. Welcomed her. Wait, it shouldn't be a woman. It should be a man. I have welcomed him into my life begrudgingly because I have no freaking choice. So here it is. This story about anxiety is going to be related to. Oh my goodness, do y'all hear that? I always hear noises. Y'all like, you know, I always hear like stuff in the background. Of y'all probably are like, I don't hear that, but I hear it. I hear everything. It sounds like. Michael Myers music, like just this rumbling on the ground and oh my goodness. Anyway, so this anxiety story is related to something very near and dear to my heart. Well, actually very far and few between in my life. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Oh my gosh, I'm nervous about saying it, but I said it before. Whatever. I am 30 years old, going on 31, and I've never officially dated. And I think it has something to do with that little situation that happened when I was younger. When I was sexually abused and everything, the person who sexually abused me also emotionally abused me. Like this person would tell me that I was ugly and I was fat and I had a terrible body and my arms were fat like the Hulk. Even though the Hulk has muscular arms, it makes no damn sense. But when you're a kid, you don't think like that. You just think 
fat, ugly arms. And I still have issues when I, whenever I'm like putting on weight was hard for me, even though the doctor told me I had to because I didn't want to have big Hulk arms. And now that I've put on weight, my arms are bigger than they used to be. And I see that again. I'm like, oh crap, my arms are like the Hulk. Even though I'm 30, it's still stuck with me. It still sticks with me. And I'm trying not to let it because I love my body now. So I'm trying to just say, you know what? That goes with the territory. You can't just gain weight in like special places. I mean, unless you're special. Anyway, so the person mentally abused me as well, emotionally abused me and said negative things about me that made me so self-conscious that I have just never dated on top of being sexually abused. Because I know a lot of girls who've been sexually abused. Some of them have been molested. Some of them have been raped. And some of them, of course, experience both. And yet they still have been able to get onto the world and date. Now, granted, they don't do so 100% successfully, but they do get out there and try. For me, I'm like stuck at the start line. Like, I okay, just can't get started. Well, that's a lie. I've kind of gotten started. I've like hung out with guys and I guess you can call it dating if you go to people's houses and hang out and spend time and this, that, and other. But the story that I want to tell relating to the anxiety I have over dating actually dates back to when I was a teenager. Picture it. January 15th, 2004. I'm just joking. I don't know what day it was exactly. I think it was, I know it was Dr. King Day. It was definitely Dr. King Day because we were out of school. Me and my friends were out of school, or should I say my friends and I were out of school, and we were pretty much looking for something to do. Like, we had the weekend off, and we had fun, but we had one more day, of course, Monday, you know, Dr. King Day, Monday the King Day. And so one of my little friends that my mama called fast-ass little girl had, she'd met some guys at the movie theater, and when she met them at the movie theater, they you know, exchange numbers, talk to the phone, and, you know, they said, hey, why don't you guys come over on Dr. King Day and we can just, like, kick it and order pizza. So, <sighs> part of it doesn't, won't sound like anxiety because I don't know what came over me. I, like I said, I'm very spiritual, so I just say, I chalk it up to God. Like, I, it, it was all him. So, anyway, this friend, I'm just going to call her Fast Ass. Fast Ass. <laughs> Fast Ass came over to our house, and she said, I'm going over to... I'm not going to say the boy's name. I'm going over to D's house. Let's call him D. I'm going over to D's house. And his, he said he has a couple of friends that are going to be there too. Why don't we all go together and just hang out today? It's our last day off before we have to go back to school. And I am a good girl. I'm just kidding. No, but I am. I mean, it's not really fair to say good girl because it's not like it was a choice. Like, I just can't help not wanting to do anything with guys because it scares the crap out of me. Anyway, so I was like, no, that's not a good idea, girl. You, was, you don't know who's going to be over there. And my sister and I were like, no, there could be other guys over there. It could be a group of guys there. You can't go. If you go, what if you get, I mean, you know, this is the anxiety talking and paranoia, but sometimes that shit be right. It's like, what if you get gang raped or something like that? If you go over there by yourself, and if we go over there, there's just the three of us. What if there's like 20 guys there waiting for, you know, whoever walks through the door and then they just run trains on people? You can't do that. But Fast Ass said, no, you're being paranoid. You're being silly. You need to stop that. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing like that. It's like you guys are just crazy. And we were like, no, it's not a good idea. I don't, I don't really think so. But she was like, well, fine, I'm going by myself. Now, the best friend in me said, I'm just sure something bad could happen. This is just doesn't feel right. And if I let her go by herself, I don't know if I'll ever see my friend again, either like literally or figuratively, meaning that if something traumatic happens to her, what if she's never the same? Because, you know, I do have a friend who had some, a, a traumatic event take place in her life. And it was so traumatic that she won't even, she wouldn't even face me anymore like I would come into her house to visit her and she would just run into the back and I never literally I never really spoke to her or saw her again never communicate with her again because I guess she felt like I can see it on her anyway 
back to Fast Ass. So Fast Ass was like, I'm going by myself then. And we said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Wait. So we called Fast Ass number two and said, she's probably going to be good company for you because both of y'all are fast ass, according to my mama. So y'all can, you know, help each other out. And I'll just sit back and, you know, be like a, a chaperone, even though we're all the same age. So we called Fast Ass number two, which I had another name for. Can I call her Hussy? That's not right. That's mean. No, that's mean. I don't want to call her that. I'm just, these are names that my mother gave them. Not my fault. I'm just trying to keep anonymity for these people. So anyway, number two called her on the phone and she said, yeah, I'm down to go. Of course. So her being down to go, we all piled up in fast ass grandmother's car and fast ass cursed her grandmother out and made her grandmother take us to this place, which was not right. And, you know, I don't, I didn't agree with the way she talked to her grandmother, but you know, that's a part of why my mama called her fast ass. Anyway, so her grandmother drove us up. We lived in Inglewood. Her grandmother drove us up to Hawthorne where these boys lived and dropped us off. And we're supposed to drop off, like, I guess at the house because the grandmother wanted to know where we were going to be. But, you know, fast ass didn't want to say it. So she said, just drop us off right here. Damn, what's wrong with you? You know, cursing at the grandmother and stuff. And so we get out of the car and she tells her grandmother to leave. Like, hurry up, go. Because she didn't want her grandmother to see boys open the door because she told her grandmother that it was going to be, I don't know what she's like, girls or we're going to hang out with some homegirls or something like that. I don't know. So grandmother drives off and me, my sister, and fast ass number one and two go up to the door and just to kind of give you a heads up my sister and i our, our biological dad is very tall and so majority of his kids are very tall except for one the oldest she's very short but we're all like six feet and above and so in at the age of 14 which is how old i was when this happened oh and maybe i was going on 14 i think 14 because my birthday is in the beginning of the year so um at the age of 14 or almost 14, we um, were really tall. We were like maybe 5'8 or 5'9 already. I'm six feet now, but we were 5'8 or 5'9. So we looked older than we really were because of our height. And people thought we were older than we really were because of our height. So this usually was a source of sadness for us because, you know, being tall when you're a teenager is just not fun, especially as a girl. I should say that, yeah, being tall, a tall girl is not fun when you're a teenager. It's fun when you're an adult, but not when you're a teenager. So it worked to our advantage, even though it's usually a source of sadness, it worked to our advantage because when grandmother pulled off and the door opened at this house, I kid you not, there was a house full of men and a couple of boys our age, but a house full of men who were like 18 to 26 years old. Like literally a house full, I swear. I want to say there were at least 10 guys, but there could have been more, like 20, because it felt like, I don't know, just like walked into like the middle of a bachelor party or something. There were so many men in that house and fast ass number one and number two walked in before us and my sister and I walked in behind them. And so I don't know what it was, like the look on our face that made people think we we're older, but thank God for that because that was like the saving grace that took care of us and made sure we were safe. Because when fast ass number one walked in and fast ass number two walked in, the guys were all excited, rubbing their hands together, literally like the cliche, like, yeah, we're about to get these girls. They literally had that behavior. Looking at these two girls in front of us walk in, like they were so excited, they're getting ready to do something. And I'm thinking to myself, this is exactly what I told fast ass. Why in the world, why in the hell didn't you listen to me? I know we're all the same age, but I'm trying to tell you, my daddy taught me stuff like this. Like he taught me how to read situations like this. So I knew this was going to happen. I'm not shocked. You're shocked. You're nervous. 
That's that's number one and number two are nervous. Like, what is what the hell's going on here? Of course you're nervous because you didn't listen to me, but I'm not because I knew it. But at the same time, let me not lie, I was a little nervous. I was kind of scared because I'm thinking to myself, I'm 13 or 14. We're all 13 or 14. Maybe we were 14 or 15. Whatever. We're all, you know, young high school girls. Yeah, we were 14 or 15. We're all high school girls and these guys are like, and it's way more guys than girls. So just two guys to every girl and that's just, then you're it. That's it. So once we kind of got past the doorway and the door closed behind us, I was thinking, they starting to say, oh my goodness, no, 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 we're, we're turning around. We're going home. And I think, I don't know if it was me or if it was my sister, but one of us started to say that. And the moment we spoke up and said that, the men in the house looked at us and said, oh, damn. Talking about fast ass, they're going to say, oh, damn, she brought her aunties. Man, let's get out here and go to the strip club. And so they all said, what? And I, my sister and I just stayed quiet and said, yep, we're just here to make sure everything's okay. We started to play the role. Like, I don't know where it came from because being an anxious person, that kind of stuff doesn't come out. I don't get all, like, you know, this type of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Confidence and, and like, if there's a word for it. I always, I have, like, I've been searching for words. You know that. But there's a word for it. I don't get this. I want to call it bravado, but I don't think that's the right word because, you know, it's usually used to describe men. But a certain assertiveness, I guess. Like, the confidence and assertiveness to play off this mature woman that they thought that I was. And so I'm like, yeah, we just want to make sure things don't go crazy over here. I'm looking out for, you know, fast ass number one and fast ass number two. Of course, I said the real names. And so then the guys were just all like overly disappointed in the fact that they weren't going to be able to, because they only thought there was going to be one girl, fast ass. So they were overly disappointed that they weren't going to be able to pass her around the way they intended to. And I don't understand what makes men think that way. What kind of dumb shit makes men think that way? But anyway, so they believed that my sister and I were the aunties, and so they all packed it up and they left and went to a strip club. So that lets you know what they were thinking, because if they're going to a strip club, that means they intended to see something, no matter if the girl wanted to or not, no matter if fast ass wanted to or not, they intended to see something, and they got disappointed that they weren't going to be able to. So all those men left, and we stayed, because our ride had left, and we she don't have no cell phone. She was, first of all, it was, what, 2004? Or five, and second of all, it's the grandmother. She had no cell phone, so we can't call her and get her to come back. So we're stuck. But I, my sister and I went intentionally because we knew that somehow us being there would, would protect everybody. And I, don't, I didn't know how for sure, but I just felt it in my spirit. Like somehow us being there would keep us safe. So we have to go because if she goes by herself, no one's safe. So we get into the house, and after all the men leave, we go into the den, and there's just three teenage boys there, but four teenage girls. And so... Now we get into the story about anxiety, but I kind of wanted to preface it with that because like, it kind of speaks to, like I said, spirituality. The confidence and assertiveness that came over me, I can't explain it because when you hear the rest of this, it's like, that's who I really am. Like the, the nervousness and the anxiousness, that's who I really am. So anyway, we get into the house and we're sitting in the den watching TV. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Let me rewind it back a little bit. When we get into the house where the, there were some more men in the den, when we were walking towards the den, there were more men sitting in the den and they were watching porn. And so, like I said, they were getting ready to do something. And if we hadn't have come with my friend, I don't know what would have happened. And after we left that night, just fast forward a little bit after we left that night, I can tell that my friend, or a former friend, we're not friends anymore, but I can tell that Fast Ass was a little shaken. She didn't want to admit it. But she was saying things like, what do you think all those men were there for? And I kept saying fast. I was like, seriously, you don't know what they were there for? No, no, I don't know what they were there for. And she didn't want to admit in her mind that my sister and I were right because that is just too scary. It's like, it's like, um, like a, what's the word? Like a near death experience. 
that was something similar. Like she nearly got raped, possibly, you know? So that was just a little fast forward. She she knew it, but she just couldn't admit it. It's just too traumatizing just to think of the possibility. Anyway, so we are in the den. They turn the porn off. The guys, the other men in the house are like, oh. And they said the same thing. She brought aunties, man. Where did everybody else go? And then somebody said they went to the strip club. So they said, I'm going too. They said, all right, you guys have fun and with your chaperones and this, that, and the other. So the older brother of the guy who's of the teenage boy whose house we went to, he stayed behind. And as he stayed behind to kind of maybe like watch us, no, no, he came back. I'll take that. Never mind. We'll get to that. But anyway, so we were in the den. I'm <laughs> like all over the place. We're in the den. Hope you can follow me. And we are just talking and hanging out. So one of the boys calls himself liking me. So he sits next to me and I can tell he's attracted to me because he just is, or either that he was just really horny. So he's sitting next to me and he's rubbing his thighs. Like, I don't know if you can hear, but that kind of noise. Sorry about that. Hope I didn't hurt your ears. My bad. Anyway, so he's rubbing his thighs in that sound right there. Like he was just doing that constantly. And he kept getting up and going to the bathroom and then coming back. And I just, I felt like he was going to the bathroom to jerk off. Like I'm just being so serious. I don't know what else he could have been doing with all the frequent runs to the bathroom. So he's sitting next to me and he's like trying to put his hand on my thigh and all kind of stuff like that. And we're in the house with no adults. I know I said the brother was there, but he actually left to go to the strip club too. He was a part of that whole little gang rape game. He left to go to the strip club too and he came back later. And so um, we were in the house by ourselves unsupervised and he was like, you wanna go to the bedroom? Now, here's the anxiety part I'm getting ready to explain. Before this point, I had never like had a boyfriend or never really been on a date. This was kind of like my first date. I'm 14 years old, roughly. This is kind of like my first date. And so I had an opportunity to have like a first kiss and to, I was going to have sex. I already knew that, but I had an opportunity to kind of get through the anxiety and the fear of just letting uh, someone of the opposite sex touch me and like it and enjoy it. I was going to have the opportunity to actually experience that, which I had never experienced before. And I, would, I feel like if I had have done it, then it might have helped me to let go of a lot of the fear that I still carry to this day if I had just like moved forward. But unfortunately, anxiety can be, you know, so overwhelming that, you know, if you do it, you can get to the other side of something great or something bad, but something great. But if you can't get past that anxious feeling, then, you know, it's just hard to move forward. So he asked me if I wanted to go into the bedroom and... I guess it was like I felt obligated, so I said yes. And I'm kind of proud of myself, even though anxiety stopped me from experiencing, you know, something that I never experienced before that I'm still waiting to experience now. I'm kind of proud of myself because having experienced sexual abuse, sometimes you feel like if a boy or a man says, hey, can we do this or can we do that? Sometimes you can be afraid to say no because you feel like you're, you're obligated to say no. And if you don't, the person might do it anyway, and it can be scary. So you, you can, you know, freeze. So... Initially, I did start off on that path and I went into the bedroom because I was just too scared to say, no, I don't want to seem like a prude or nothing like that. So we went into the bedroom and we were sitting on the bed. He closed the door and my heart is just racing so hard. I feel like you could hear it. And so it's beating so fast and so loud. And so I'm sitting there and now I'm starting to run my legs. I'm like, Ooh, okay, what are we doing here? So then he said, <laughs> he sat down on the bed next to me and he said, can I kiss you? And at first I said, yeah, but then like, as we start to lean in for the kiss, I said, no, no, never mind, never mind. And, you know, I'm proud of myself for that because I really didn't want to. And so I spoke up and I said, no, and I'm grateful that I did because you shouldn't do anything you don't want to do. 
even if you're if you're know it's because you're anxious and you feel like a panic attack is coming on hey don't do anything you don't want to do unless you somehow underneath the, the anxiety you do want to do it and you know you can so i said no and he was asking me other questions can i touch you can i do this can i do that and i almost said yes to some things and then i just had to keep saying no because i really just didn't feel comfortable and i was thinking in my head if i don't kiss him now I don't know if I'll ever have an opportunity or ever have the just the ability to have a first kiss again. Oh boy, was I right? Oh, isn't that sad? It's not really sad, but isn't that crazy? I was so right. I'm like, if I don't kiss him now, I'll never have a first kiss. And not never, I'm still here, I'm still alive. But still to this day, I've never been kissed because I just all that affection and touching and stuff from man to woman. I don't know. I got a lot of stuff to work past. Anyway, so... I got scared, I got anxious, I got intimidated by the situation and I didn't know how to process whether me letting him touch me and kiss me was a good thing or a bad thing. I didn't know how to process whether or not I should enjoy like the way it would feel if he touched me or if he kissed me. I wasn't sure if it would make me bad if I liked the way it felt when he touched me. I didn't know if it would make me bad if I liked the way it felt when he kissed me and I just wasn't sure how to, you know, discern what was what and so that's why I had to say no I was just like I don't really know what to do the anxiety just had me thinking too many things at once I was like if he touches me I like it will he think I look stupid if he touches me and I enjoy it will he think that I'm disgusting or I'm nasty or I'm crazy or I'm you know too eager or just all these different anxious thoughts running through my mind like I don't know what the right response would be if he touched me and if he touched me what if I'm quiet because I'm just afraid of all the responses like everything that you can think of was running through my brain and I just could not calm down and so after maybe like I want to say five or ten minutes in the bedroom I said you know what I want to go back outside and he was a gentleman he was very sweet he wasn't pushy he wasn't aggressive he wasn't angry and I'm grateful that that was the experience I had as opposed to someone who's like no you're gonna do this with me damn it like I'm grateful that I didn't have someone aggressive just take their way you know the way the person who sexually abused me did I'm grateful that he was more patient and kind and you know understanding and he didn't like you know sometimes guys would be like man I don't like this one she too she too rigid she too you know boring or she's too you know whatever you know adjectives you can think of to describe a girl who won't put out I'm glad I didn't have a guy who was like treating me like a like an object or like property like I want to trade mine in for another one because she ain't fun he wasn't like that he was still gentlemanly he was still sweet and he was still respectful. So he's like, yeah, we can go back outside. It's cool. So he opened the door and we walked back outside. Now, of course, I'm not stupid. I saw him behind me in the reflection of like the, the glass around the the walkway that we were walking through. Like when we got back from the bedroom to the den, there was a bunch of like glass doors and, you know, different reflective areas in the rooms. And so I could see him like trying to make finger gestures to his friend, trying to pretend like something happened in the room. And I wanted to say so badly, boy, you better, what? But I said, no let him have it. I really don't care. Probably shouldn't have let him have it though, but it didn't make the guys treat me any differently. And you know, it's like, I just didn't care because I was so anxious that I literally sat on the couch staring at the, pretty much how I said I do in the beginning of this episode. I pretty much sat on the couch after that. And he sat next to me and I was just kind of like staring off in his face and they kept asking, what's wrong with you? And my friends and my sister were like, are you okay? What happened? Like what happened in there? So I don't know who it was, but somebody made everybody leave so they could talk to me to see if I was okay. And I had to tell them, no, no, no. Nothing happened, but the anxiety is what had me just in this trance because I was thinking, again, now I'm overthinking the situation. Did I do the right thing? Should I have let him kiss me? Should I have let him touch me? Should I just experience this, this, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 
it's like a pivotal moment in a sense. Should I just had this experience and, you know, cross this threshold from being a sexual abuse survivor, even though I was actually still going through some of the things. And I'll have to explain that a little later. Like it had been a year since the last major situation involving like sexual abuse happened. So I was still kind of, I guess, processing it. So I had to tell my friends and my sister, nothing happened. I didn't let him do anything. He didn't try anything. He didn't force anything. Well, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, I told him he wanted to kiss me. I just couldn't do it. And, you know, I don't know if it was the right thing to do. So my friends and my sister were like, you want to go back in the room? Go back in the room? You want to kiss him? Go back. And I thought to myself, maybe I should. Maybe I should. I think that's a good idea because I really just felt like if I don't do this, I don't know if I ever will. Oh, my goodness. Why did I know that? I knew if I don't take this opportunity now, I might feel stuck for a long time. And so I sat there and I contemplated asking him if we can go back into the room. But the reason why I said no, because like I said, anxiety will have you thinking about every possible outcome from every possible scenario and every possible choice. And every possible choice in my head said, if I go back into that room, I better be prepared for whatever, because he's probably going to expect whatever. Because why would a girl now invite a guy into a room if she wasn't ready to do all the things that he's thinking he wants to do with her, or all the things that he's thinking of doing with her? So just trusting my gut, even though it was riddled with anxiety, trusting my gut, I said, no, I've just missed the opportunity. And so it's kind of like this, this story doesn't really have like a main focus of anxiety. It's just a story that expresses how anxiety has affected me and where, like where the anxiety has, you know, kind of derived from. And in this situation, I mean, I think the anxiety I have period comes from being sexually abused as a kid because it's the first experience that I had that made me feel completely unsafe in the world. So now if I'm like, that can happen, especially with someone who's supposed to love me and take care of me and, and, you know, be like a, a protector in a sense to me, then if that can happen, what else can happen? You start to think anything is possible, unfortunately. And so your mind just goes a little crazy. And so it goes a little, I don't, I don't like to say crazy. I shouldn't have said that. I, I feel like it's more of a, your mind goes a little overboard, starts to overwork just to try to protect you. Like my mind goes overboard thinking so much and thinking so hard just to protect me. And so I overthought the situation with the boy and I could have just kissed him. I could have just, you know, let it be and experience that moment and experience that, you know, situation and have that first. I could have had that first, but I was just too anxious. All of the emotional abuse and sexual abuse that I experienced as a kid made me to just overthink it. I wasn't sure if I could even allow that to happen. So you know, looking back on that, I did the best that I could. And I feel like when you have any type of mental health issue, the only thing you can do is the best that you can do. When you're depressed, sometimes the best thing you can do is just get up out of bed. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just wake up and try not to, you know, let the negative thoughts actually make you do anything harmful to yourself. You know, when you're anxious, sometimes the best thing you can do is try to pick the most rational, anxious thought and follow it and go with that. And for me, in that situation, the most rational, anxious thought that I had was to not kiss him and to, you know, in a in a an indirect sense, I was taking a, a stab at standing up for myself. I was so scared to say, 
no, I don't want to do these things. I was so scared. You have no idea how scared I was. Like the anxiety had me thinking about that too. Like if I say no, will he pin me down? If I say no, will he force me? If I say no, will he hit me? If I say no, what, like what will he do? My anxiety was thinking about everything, like every single thing. If I do decide to do it, can people out there hear us? Like I don't, I just thought about everything. And so um, the good thing about that, you have to take the situation glass half full, you know, I like to think of it as I had an opportunity to stand up for myself in a sexual context and I was successful at it. And so, you know, even though, like I said, I knew at that moment if I didn't do it, I probably wouldn't do it for a long time. That was the price I was willing to pay, even though I didn't directly decide to pay it or directly want to pay it. It was just, you know, I couldn't think straight, but that was the price that needed to be paid in order for me to do something else that was very necessary, which is saying no, I don't want this in a sexual context. No, I'm not allowing this. No, I'm not going to do this. No, we can't do that. No, you can't do this to me. So, you know, there was one bad thing, one one bad way of looking at it or negative way of looking at it. But the positive way of looking at it is I stood up for myself. And I was still, like I said, young and still fresh off of experiencing sexual abuse. And so for me to be able to do that, hey, I could pat myself on the back, like just a little bit. So anyway, I know it's like a long rambled story and I think it's cute. So I'm gonna keep it and I'm so sorry about the bang in the middle. Wasn't intentional, but I was rubbing on my leg trying to create the sound and I knocked my phone over. So please forgive me. Anyway, I thank you guys so much for listening and I hope you listen again tomorrow.